Welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and unpack it into relatable concepts. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and today we're talking about the breast lift. We'll discuss who's a candidate, what it does and how it's done, how a breast lift is different from a breast reduction, alternatives to surgery, what to expect afterwards, and will it last? Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and opinion. It is not intended to give formal medical advice, but rather you can use it to gain insight, whether you are actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. So settle in for a listen and enjoy. So let's talk about breasts. How they look is important to a lot of women. The iconic youthful breast is one which has relatively firm overlying skin with the nipple located near the mid portion or a little below that. And though there are many variations of that ideal, most of the patients seeking a breast lift want to achieve a more youthful look. Maybe they've had children and breastfed them, or maybe not. But either way, with time, they have lost the volume and perkiness of the breasts. Or maybe they never had those attributes to start with. These transitions in the breast are perfectly natural, and there is nothing wrong with them. But for some women, it's not okay, and they want to make a change. According to the latest statistics from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, over 100,000 breast lifts were performed in one year, peaking in the age group of 30 to 55. But let me tell you, plenty of these procedures were performed on older women and some younger. In the plastic surgery world, the official name for settled, or I hate to say it, sagging of the breasts, is ptosis. Now that word starts with a silent letter P. Ptosis, or the adjective form totic, can actually be used to describe anything in the body that sags, even an eyelid. The progressive stages of ptosis of the breast are divided into three grades. Grade 1 ptosis is considered mild, and it occurs when the breast position on the chest wall settles downward such that the nipple sits at the level of, or slightly below, the crease under the breast. Grade 2 ptosis is considered moderate, and the nipple sits definitely below the crease, but it is not the lowest part of the breast. Grade 3 ptosis is considered severe, and in this category, the nipple is pretty much the lowest part of the breast that's visible. Oh, and there is an added classification that you might hear discussed called pseudotosis. It's a term used to describe a breast mound that looks totic or settled, but the nipple hasn't truly gone below the level of the crease yet. So, question. Do you have to reach a certain grade of ptosis before seeking out a breast lift? Certainly not. The need for a lift is in the eye of the beholder, who happens to be the patient in this case. It's a purely elective procedure and can be done whenever a person wishes, regardless of how advanced the settling is. But the ptosis categorization does help a surgeon plan which technique might be the best one to accomplish the patient's desired result, so it can be useful. Well, as you might have surmised by now, the goals of a breast lift, also known as a mastopexy, are to elevate the position of the breast and nipple and to tighten the skin envelope as needed. That term skin envelope refers to the skin that the breast tissue sits in. 
There are many ways to surgically accomplish these goals, but all virtually require an incision around the areola, which is the pink or brown area of skin that surrounds the projecting nipple. Some patients fear a problematic scar as a consequence, but most times this incisional scar fades pretty nicely over time. An added benefit of an incision here is that in the course of doing the breast lift, the size or width of the areola can be reduced if it had enlarged from pregnancy or if a patient felt it was always too wide. In some patients who don't need much of a lift, the incision around the areola might be the only incision needed as the extra skin surrounding it can be gathered up much like a purse string and then the excess trimmed away before closing the incision. It will effectively raise the nipple position and tighten the skin envelope. But again, this is for a limited amount of skin to be removed. Attempting to remove too much skin this way will result in flattening the front of the breast and therefore losing some of the natural projection or perk. If someone needs more of a lift than this, at least one additional incision must be made, typically vertically from the areola down towards the breast crease. That helps tighten the breast shape in the horizontal direction and restore some projection of the breast. Yet in some patients, even this is not enough to achieve the best lift. More correction is needed. So another connecting incision may be made right along the breast crease to then tighten the breast envelope in the vertical direction. It's not uncommon to need all of these incisions in an advanced case of ptosis, but the body's scar maturation process is pretty amazing. For most patients, the scars fade well, becoming minimally noticeable over time, though they will always be there to some degree. Incidentally, you can listen to more about scars and treatment in the previous Episode 7 of Plastic Surgery Decoded. And like anything else, it's a bit of a trade-off. Those who decide to have a breast lift feel the comfort and new shape of their breasts outweigh concerns about scars. By the way, I've sometimes been asked how a breast lift differs from a breast reduction. Well, there are similarities in that the breast ends up sitting higher with a more projecting shape. But the difference is that in tightening the breast envelope, a breast lift removes only extra skin, whereas a breast reduction takes away not only extra skin, but also, and primarily, excess breast tissue to lighten the weight of the breast. I've also been asked whether there are alternatives to a surgical breast lift. Yes, a person could try laser or skin tightening treatments that are out there, but frankly, while these may produce a little improvement, it's not likely to be enough to accomplish a true lift, in the sense we have just discussed at least, and may likely lead to disappointment in results. Well then, what about a breast implant? It's true that in some cases, an implant placed beneath the breast tissue may fill out the breast, thereby tightening the skin envelope and helping avoid a lift for the time being. But keep in mind that an implant has weight to it, so gravity will have an effect on it after a while. If things stretch out enough, a formal breast lift may still eventually be necessary, yet now that can be pushed off until a much later date. However, in considering an implant, one should note that the positioning of the implant, whether under the pectoralis muscle or on top of the muscle and just under the breast, may have a significant impact on whether an implant alone is a viable and cosmetically pleasing option. To decide whether an implant alone will look right and achieve the desired result, 
it's really critical to lean on the expertise of your plastic surgeon when you have a consultation. Quite commonly, an implant is used in combination with a breast lift. Because the implant fills up the breast to some degree, it will reduce the amount of excess skin that would need to be removed during the lift, and perhaps then reduce the length of the needed incisions. A further benefit is that the implant can help fill out the upper part of the breast, which is the area that often has lost the most fullness with age, something a breast lift alone has a hard time achieving. By the way, listening to earlier episodes 4 and 5 will give you more in-depth information about breast implants if you're interested. Once the exact procedure is decided, what can be expected afterwards? Well, it's a pretty straightforward surgery, and unless an implant is added, it's really just a few skin incisions that heal pretty quickly. It's usually an outpatient procedure, meaning going home the same day, and most often the anesthesia is general, meaning going to sleep. Length of surgery depends on the length of the incisions needed. There might be a lot to sew, and we plastic surgeons take our time to get it just right. Downtime is not too bad. Pain is worse for a couple of days, but manageable, and eases up after that. There will be some swelling for a few weeks, but many people can return to work within a few days, as long as their stamina has returned. General anesthesia can knock that down for a while. As for light exercise, it's best to wait at least a few days due to the risk of bleeding. And you'll also want to avoid any bouncing or jumping exercise for at least a couple of weeks to minimize stretch on the stitches. Of course, recovery will take longer if implants are used. To summarize, a breast lift is a great solution for those who want to improve settling or ptosis of the breasts and restore them to a more youthful but still a natural appearance. Not uncommonly, an implant can be added to help restore volume. But the big question, will it last? Well, just like anything we do in plastic surgery, it's all down to genetics and physics. The aging or settling process of the breast will continue as it responds to gravity and to a person's genetic predisposition for loss of skin elasticity over time. But with the breast lift, we have created a new, refreshed starting point, which hopefully can be a source of personal satisfaction for the patient for years to come. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something, too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.